Welcome to the South Carolina State Library's podcast, Library Voices SC. I'm Curtis Rogers, Communications Director, and today I'm pleased to have with us in our virtual podcast studio, Deb Richardson Moore, who is the author of four fiction titles and a memoir, The Weight of Mercy, about her early years as a pastor at the Triune Mercy Center in Greenville, South Carolina. Deb is a former national award-winning reporter for the Greenville News and is a popular speaker at book clubs, universities, and churches. So welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you for having me, Curtis. It's great to have you here. So uh, tell us a little bit more about yourself and your writing. Okay, well, um, during my time at the Greenville News, uh, I took on the religion beat. And so what I would uh, often do when uh, I took on a new beat was I would go take some classes. So what I was looking for was, uh, I decided to get a degree in comparative religion uh, to learn about Buddhism, Islam, all the things that I didn't know because I had grown up in the Christian church. Well, Furman didn't have it, Clemson didn't have it, uh, master's degree in that. So I ended up in uh, Due West and Erskine Theological Seminary quite by accident. <laughs> and so when I got down there, I was just mesmerized by uh, what you learn in seminary, which started off with the, uh, the four gospel writers. And I realized, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are reporters. They were reporters. They were telling the stories of Jesus from their own perspectives, which is what reporters do. Well, anyway, I was so mesmerized that I ended up going for my Master of Divinity degree, leaving the newspaper, and becoming a minister. Well, the church where I was hired was Triune Mercy Center, which was a um, dissolved United Methodist Church that had been reborn as a ministry to homeless people. So I, it looked very good. That was the kind of ministry I wanted, but uh, if I had known what I was walking into, I don't think I would have been brave enough to go into it. It was, um, it was something else. Uh, there were, you know, active drug deals going on on the church campus. I found liquor bottles hidden by, in the bathrooms. And it was just, uh, I, I told uh, God, <laughs> um, I'll stay one year, but you can't ask anybody to stay more than one year in a place like this. Well, by the end of that first year, uh, we'd started making some changes and I got some people in to help me. And one year turned into 15 years. So um, I just retired two months ago. But uh, in that process, I wrote my first book, which was The Weight of Mercy, as you, you described. And that told about those early difficult years at Triune. Well, uh, it was published by a, a house in uh, Oxford, England. And after a year or so, they came back to me and said, would you like to write a sequel to that book? And I said, no, I think I've said everything I wanted to say, but I've always wanted to write murder mysteries. So they said, well, we have a fiction line if you would like to us to take a look at it. And so that was the next three books were the Brannigan Powers mystery series. And what those did was they had, uh, Brannigan was a newspaper reporter, but she was greatly aided in solving these murder murders by a homeless man. And what I drew from was a homeless man had once said to me, Pastor, do you know the worst thing about being homeless? It's not being cold or wet or hungry. The worst thing about being homeless is being looked right through. And so we used that premise in our work at Triune and trying to see people and, and greet them and welcome them and include them. 
but I also use those in this book. And the idea is that this homeless man, Malachi, kind of glides through this town unseen. And so he is able to see and hear things that more uh, mainstream people are not. And that helps him solve these murders. So in an entertaining way, I was trying to teach some things about homelessness. And you, one of the backdrops to those stories is a homeless encampment that I was very familiar with. So that's how all that came about. Um, this latest book is a complete departure. It's called Murder Forgotten. It does not deal with homelessness. It is just pure, dark murder, domestic thriller. <laughs> uh, and it's set down in Sullivan's Island and partly on the eastern seaboard of Scotland. Wow, that's, uh, first of all, let me congratulate you on your retirement. That That's something I'm, <laughs> I, I'm sure is very exciting for you. Yes. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about Murder Forgotten. But what I wanted to do, one thing that popped out in uh, what you said earlier was um, you're uh, looking for coursework in comparative religions. And I think that's, I've always been fascinated by other world religions. And I'm wondering if that had any kind of, impact on your future writing? I think so, because as the religion writer for the Greenville News, I went to every conceivable church service. And that's something that most of us don't get to do because we usually stay in whatever church we are. And I was in um, the Islamic mosque, uh, Buddhist, um, here in Greenville, there the, the Buddhists were mostly in, um, really uh, suburban houses is it, uh, is where they, they were. And then the Vedic Center down in Malden with Hindus and um, uh, a lot of very welcoming African-American churches, Wiccan circles in the woods. <laughs> so it was, yeah, I, um, I, I think a lot of that, that broad based um, uh, religion, yeah, I can't help but but affect you and and it it also led to a real openness because we had um other faiths coming into triune they were perfectly welcome and you know in our art room and uh, meals and 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 i wasn't trying to convert them we were just welcoming we were very clear we're here because we're christians and we're followers of christ that's why we're doing what we're doing but we are not going to beat you over the head to make you believe the way we believe Right, and and I think that's important to um, you know to be able to do what it is is you've done for so long. Um, one of the things that I think is fascinating is your transition from news reporting and how you said you know your uh, influence of understanding that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were actually reporting, <laughs> you know, in in that day and time. So how did you ultimately get to your latest book, Murder Forgotten? And, and how is there a connection between Sullivan's Island and Scotland without giving away too much? Because I want oh, no, to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, the, my, my publisher, as, as are most publishers uh, these days, were, were having financial difficulties over, over bearing Britain. And um, I just was not sure of how long, I didn't think it was a good idea to keep going with a series that they, um, because no other publisher is going to want to pick up in the middle of the series. So I thought, you know, maybe it's time for a standalone. And and, and just really, uh, as, a, as a writer, 
you know, sometimes you just want to do something different anyway. And so I had this idea of a, um, a, a, a very successful aging mystery writer who's losing her memory. And of course that came about because my memory is like Swiss cheese. And so, you know, that's what we do. We, we jump to the lot, you know, what's the logical end of that. And it's like, okay, what if I was really having medical dementia that, you know, how would that impact, you know, your writing? And so that was where I was going with that. So um, I have her just situated on Sullivan's Island just because I wanted her in an old creaky beach house. And there aren't many of those left uh, in Isle of Palms or Litchfield or a lot of a lot of the beaches. But I know there were some in Sullivan's Island because I had vacationed for decades at Isle of Palms. So so we set her there. Um, and then my husband is a huge golfer. And back um, he, he's been to Scotland many, many times uh, to play golf with his buddies. But he always said, you know, I'd love to go over there and play with the Scots. He said, but I don't want to go by myself. Could you, would you ever be interested in coming with me so we could have dinner every night? And I, and so when I was writing um, uh, The Cantaloupe Thief in about 2014, uh, I, I had a sabbatical and I said, you know, I can write anywhere. So if you want to do that trip now. So that's what we did. And we went and we rented a condo overlooking the North Sea right there at Crayle, Scotland. And every day I wrote about this, um, this murder mystery set back in the States. And so I, I did that for that mystery writer. Um, her husband is murdered. And as she is just uh, very confused and everything, um, they, she's, the, her assistant whisks her off to Scotland. And, and they, they go to this, the, the very same area where I was doing that. And I write a backstory about how her husband wanted to play golf, you know, and just kind of adapt that scene into the book. And so it's uh, it's it's played out between those two coasts. Well, I'm going to definitely have to put that on my list of uh, next books to read because it sounds fascinating that there's that Scottish connection. Um, talk to us a little bit about your writing style. When you initially have an idea of what it is you want to write about, do you outline it? Does the title come to you first? How do you go about it all? Um, I do not outline. That's, uh, that's the question I get in every book club. <laughs> you know, do you outline or do you? Um, I always say, I think I would get bored if I was trying to write. Well, for 27 years, my editors tried to get me to outline because I would do sometimes big series for the newspaper. And they were always going, well, why don't you outline it? <laughs> I was like, no, I can't do that. Because to me, um, the, the thrill of writing is discovery and what's what happens. And so same way with my mysteries, I'm just writing along and then it's like, oh, wait a minute, you know, and, and, you know, and sometimes you use, obviously you have to go back and change things in the beginning when you do that. But I, yeah, I just, um, I love that, uh, that, that writing and finding out what's gonna happen. And I have to tell you, Murder Forgotten was by far the most fun book I had ever written because I was just so interested in what was going to happen. And so rather than putting off writing like we do most of the time, um, I, I was so eager to get to my desk and say, OK, what's going to happen next? What are, what are these characters going? What's going to happen to them? And that, that book, Start to Finish, was written in about nine months, which was really fast for me. That is, that's amazing. And one of the things I'm just kind of 
envisioning as we're talking is, and, and this is a question, I, I can just kind of picture the Scottish countryside and, uh, you know, the golf courses and, and all of that. How did the, the, the geography of Scotland impact those portions of Murder Forgotten? Oh, yeah, it was huge because what I did was I set, set them, we had stayed in Crail, but there's something called the, the Fife Coastal Path that runs along that seaboard from Crail all the way down to a little village called Anstruther. And so I put her in this kind of a castle-like house right in the middle of Crail and Anstruther. And so they would go out on this path to walk and it was chilly. And so you've got that, that, you know, and this was supposed to be in March. And so you've got that frigid wind and, and the bent trees and um, all of that. And it plays a definite part because in that she's very confused and she's seeing things and she's thinking she's seeing neighbors from back home in Sullivan's Island. Uh, and it just kind of very creepy and mysterious during that time there. And, and how did you ever get to a point where you knew that genre spoke to you the most, where you would want to do the series oh. and then do this about Murder Forgotten? Oh, when I was 12, uh, I read every Nancy Drew book, every Hardy Boys, every Dana Girls, um, and then I moved on to Agatha Christie and uh, read everything she ever wrote. Now, I, that's just something I've always, always, always loved and always had in the back of my mind I wanted to do. Uh, I think I started my first, The Cantaloupe Thief. I actually started when I, God, I was, oh, 30 and having my second child and was gonna be home for a few weeks with that pregnancy and just couldn't get anywhere with it. Um, you know, working full time, having small children. So um, I've always wanted to do that. It just was never able to do it until I got away from the newspaper, away from de daily deadlines and working at the church. Yeah, it, uh, from, from what I understand from most authors who uh, also work full-time, have a full-time life, <laughs> full-time family. Sometimes that can be really difficult. But one of the things that I have heard from some other authors is the fact of being able to get away. Uh, and so that's why, you know, you're talking about Scotland reminded me that, you know, it must be pretty amazing to be able to get away and actually concentrate that much on your writing. Oh, it really is. And um, in, in this book, I, uh, I try to make Juliana, that's the, the, the mystery writer, her um, relationship with her children has not been good because she was so focused on her writing and so focused on her husband and they were kind of took third place. And, um, you know, people have said, well, is that your problem with your children? And I said, no, I think it's the opposite. My children would say, she was all over us. She never let us alone. <laughs> and, and, I, and indeed, I didn't write the first book until two years after the youngest was in college. And I think that was it. Because, you know, I, I'm amazed when I you know, see young writers um, publishing and they've got children in the home. I, I'm just, I'm so, um, I, I'm, I'm very proud of them and very uh, I'm amazed that they're able to do it because I was not. 
It is amazing. And one of the things I've always enjoyed doing is writing poetry. And that's why when I asked you about the outline, you know, I've tried to think about writing something more and I think about outlining it. And then when I start outlining it, it just kind of dies. So yes, that's why yes. for, for me, writing poetry is a whole lot, whole lot easier. <laughs> so one of the things I always like to ask our uh, guests is uh, something library related, since this is Library Voices South Carolina. Um, do you have any kind of library related stories that you'd like to share? And it can be something personal or it can be you know, a book talk or, or something that you did involving a library? Um, well, I've done everything the library's ever asked, you know, the, the um, both here and, and in uh, other upstate towns, you know, where they have us in just little tables, you know, selling. Unfortunately, I, I think when people come to the library, they're not thinking of buying books, you know, they're thinking of, and, and I'm the biggest patron in the world because I read about about two books a week and so I go to our local libraries and just have stacks of you know bring home 10 at a time and uh, especially during COVID um, god they've, they've just been so creative they're you know the it seems like the the um, the list where you we re, uh, request books that they're getting them like that and you go pick them up and so I am just such a huge fan of our libraries I just I think that is one of the the, the great in, inventions of civilization is the free lending library. It is wonderful and it's amazing, like you said, during COVID-19, how libraries have had to get creative and, yes. you know, even even go so far as to offering many more online services and, mm -hmm. and different things like that. Um, so in coming up with uh, your writing, what kind of projects do you have uh, that you'd like to share or can you talk about coming or that i'm writing now mm -hmm. yeah um the, the one i'm working on now very very tentatively um is set in um i imagine this is happening in columbia too but greenville is having a real issue with gentrification and the people as you know we were um founded um on by these uh uh, textile mills. That was how Greenville sort of came to be. And these textile mills um, have died out and almost all of them have fallen into poverty. And um, But now a lot of them are around this revived downtown Greenville, which is on every top 10 list in the country. And so people are buying up these old mill houses, tearing them down and building these huge half million dollar houses. And there's some real tension because that, of course, is where Triune was, uh, was in those neighborhoods. And then um, our friends at the Greenville Rescue Mission um, fought off a million dollar uh, brewery trying to come in 10 feet behind them. And now there's a big 60 acre uh, park going up. And so uh, all these people are trying to get into that area, which has traditionally been uh, homeless encampments and and poverty and so anyway the book is set in in that within that setting and so there's still there's a there's a murder and a and some things like that but it's also against that backdrop of these people living there for two and three years on these historic properties where people have been shoved off well it sounds fascinating and I know folks would 
love to keep on hearing more and certainly you you can learn a lot more at your website and that's debrichardsonmore.com and we will definitely have a link to that on our podcast page. Um, do you have anything else you'd like to share before we wrap up? I think you've been very thorough, Curtis. So thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. Well, good. And thank you so much for being with us today. I really appreciate it. And also thank you to our listeners. You can find Library Voices SC on Podbean, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio or add us on your favorite podcast app. Our podcast website address is libraryvoices.podbean.com. We also love hearing from our listeners, so please send us your comments and suggestions for future topics. Library Voices SC is the official podcast of the South Carolina State Library. So until next time, this is Curtis Rogers. Thanks for listening.